0: Villanova and FAU have followed very similar paths in recent weeks, a head-scratching loss, and then bouncing back to win a premier Feast Week tournament. So which of those is the anomaly, and which of those two teams do we trust more in the long term?
1: You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your hosts. That's my guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we want to thank you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listener watch to get the best college basketball content out there every day. You are so glad that you're here. If you'd like to have more college basketball conversation with us, come hop into the discord. The link is in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by our friends at game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Hey, undefeated watch. We are down under 25, Andy. That's wild. As of Sunday night, we have just 24 teams remaining. It's slowing down to a trickle Uh, I love it because, Andy, several times recently, we've been watching a cool game in real time. So we're keeping tabs tonight as we record on Sunday night on San Francisco and Minnesota. We're in the second half. The Dons are up 43-39. Got a good game going on on the Warriors home court, about 1645 left. So we'll keep you up to date on that. All right. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about some unexpected depth in the Big 12. Andy, that's been wild. Of course, we got a six pack for you because it's Monday. But first, we got to talk about some FAU and some Villanova running a very similar path. So, Andy, we, we already talked about it on Friday's show, but um Villanova won the battle for Atlantis. FAU followed a similar path, working their way to the ESPN in uh, ESPN Events Invitational Championship, won that on Sunday by blitzing, yeah. and I mean blitzing Virginia Tech 84 to 50. The here's this here's all you need to know. FAU led 25-24 and then won on a 19-0 run in game at that point. Virginia Tech couldn't hit a three to save their life. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, Andy, here's the question I want to ask about this. Seriously, these teams both had these weird, dumb, silly losses. FAU's was to Bryant. That's been in D1 for a minute. Had a brand-new head coach, basically, and lost. And then Villanova, it's completely escaping me who they lost to. Oh, it was at Penn. Yeah. And so they had those. And then Villanova goes on to win Battle for Atlantis. FAU goes on to win ESPN Events Invitational. So it's a perfect time to ask this question. Which of these teams do you trust more in the long term? Let's have that conversation. Ready, set, go.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tough question because they both have really different paths going forward. They sure do. Villanova has to play in the Big East. And Villanova
0: is is, well, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, right, right? Is that well like it's hard? <laughs> No, Villanova has played a Big East conference with, of course, UConn and Marquette, two of the top five teams in the country. Creighton is dipped a little bit, obviously, after their kind of mystifying loss to Colorado State. Still trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah, that was a a unique one. I'll tell you what, I do got those Rams in the top 25 uh, on my list, at least. Uh, I thought that was a really nice performance from them. But uh, beyond that, for, for Villanova, I mean, St. John's is a team that's, that's uh, you know, you, you never really know what you're going to get out of them, but that's not an easy out for sure. Xavier has looked better than I think a lot of people thought they would, too. So they have a, a really tricky conference slate. They got some some more solid non-conference games as well. And, and I think the other thing with Villanova is this is a new look roster. I'm more inclined to buy a team that suffers an ugly loss early in the season when they have... New pieces that they're trying to fit together, and obviously they're not all new by any stretch. Justin Moore is a you know he missed last year, but he's a guy who's been in the program for a few years. Eric Dixon, of course, has been a huge part of what they're doing, but you have to figure out what you want with T.J. Bomba. You're trying to find a spot for Hakeem Hart, which they really have struggled to do so far for coach Kyle Neptune. Meanwhile, FAU is the same roster, and that doesn't mean that like you should severely punish them for these kind of mystifying losses like this one they had to Bryant, but at the same time, you kind of have this expectation that that cohesion is already there. The coaching is already there. You know, It's a guy who's been there for a long Time and and I still buy FAU. I'm I'm pretty excited about both these teams rebounding from early ugly losses and and the performances that they've had. I think you are more likely to expect Villanova to win those games, uh, like FAU beating Texas A and M. That's a really nice win for A and M, like that, or for excuse me for FAU. Like that's probably a probably a better win for them than I think Villanova over North Carolina. Although both those wins are very close.
0: Yeah, uh, Virginia. Okay.
1: Villanova stomped on Memphis, and it's again kind of when we're talking parallels here. The championship game for both these tournaments was a big win. I know the score, the final score didn't quite reflect the uh, the massacre that that Villanova put on Memphis, especially in the first half. Whereas FAU's final score against Virginia Tech was just monstrous—a thirty-four point victory there. But I think I'm a little more inclined to buy Villanova right now, uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm pretty geeked about both these teams because when you show that you have that resolve and that ability to come back from a loss that your team absolutely should not have suffered and you can go out and beat really good teams. Uh, it's hard to not be excited about that, that potential going forward.
0: That's my answer as well. Andy is Villanova. Um, and and that's not um, any disrespect to FAU. In fact, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if when we get to selection Sunday, FAU actually has a better record yeah. than Villanova, but I think that's by product. Of being in the Big East versus the American Athletic Conference. Although, as we've said multiple times now, thankfully Memphis is looking better than we expected. So that's going to give FAU at least uh, some level of real competition in the AAC. Um, As we sit here today, Villanova is 14th at Ken Palm. FAU is 22nd. Um, Pretty comparable on adjusted O and D, although Nova is slightly ahead of FAU on both. And um, I, I think As you talked about, I I love your point about the cohesion that FAU already has versus what Nova is trying to bring together. I think that's a critical thing to be aware of here. Kind of similar to what we said with Arkansas, right? Great uh, amalgamation of talent, but trying to get the pieces together. And I think Nova's in that bucket. The other thing with FAU is, you know, Elijah Martin's kind of been working his way back from a preseason injury. And so I, I think that kind of factors into where things are at with them as well. So, I I think all of that factors into it for both of these teams. Yeah. You, you talked about some of the schedule going forward. The next game we got to look forward to for Villanova is they've got case state coming up uh, next Tuesday, but then a big one against UCLA on the ninth. And then they're into big East play right after that, starting on December 20th and they start off with Creighton. So, I mean, you're right into it as for FAU, they just don't really have many big chances left. Although, there is Illinois on December fifth, and the one that I'm very interested to see on December 23rd, where they play Arizona on a neutral court. So, Andy, I'm rolling with Villanova, but uh, I'm not certainly not out on FAU. I am inclined to say that both of these, the the anomaly is the loss, not mm-hmm. the championship. Part of that is because it's a one off versus a three game stretch. Also because it's part of what we expected from both of those teams versus just the randomness of an early season loss.
1: Yeah, I think Villanova has more opportunities to get better. I think that's the the main separator for me just because of the quality of the opponents that they're going to play. And I think also just the fact that they haven't played a lot of minutes together, so the more minutes they play together, the better they will get. I don't think that's untrue of FAU, but they're they're further along in that process already because they have played is basically the same team that that had all that success last year. So that's part of the reason for me. I will acknowledge though too. Uh, we talk about how great the Big East is. It's not like the American Athletic Conference is a complete pushover as fact right now. As we're recording this, it'll probably change, but right now they have six teams uh, in the top one hundred at Ken Palm. Of course, Memphis and. FAU FAU are the top two. Uh, and then you have North Texas. They're at 73. Again, as we're recording this, SMU is at 83. And then UAB and Tulane are 99 and 100. That's why I said it's probably going to change because they're right on that borderline. Wichita State is not far Actually, behind. I just refreshed. Tulane is now 99. So they're oh, all- hey, there you go. <laughs> Wichita <laughs> State's right around there as well. So this is a, a quality conference, certainly a step up from Conference USA where they were last year. They brought basically the best Conference USA teams along with them. But I, I don't, want to denigrate the conference that FAU is playing in or or imply that it's not necessarily going to help them. It's just, it doesn't hold a candle to this year's version of the Big East, which is absolutely incredible. Well, Isaac, the big, speaking of incredible conferences, the Big 12 is stronger than I think they've ever been. And it's thanks to some unexpected teams that are performing well above where they had their preseason expectations. Is it going to last before we get into that conversation, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Game Time. Folks, we have the inaugural ACC and SEC Challenge on Tuesday and Wednesday. Perhaps you're realizing that you want to get out to one of those games, but you don't have tickets. Well, good news, you're in luck with Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events going on near you. Game Time also has killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and a best price guarantee. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big event, and thankfully, GameTime has got you covered. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts. It is the absolute best place to find last-minute tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Terms do apply. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking us out on YouTube. Folks, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. If you go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube, it is here for you Twenty. Four seven, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of locked on plus all of our national shows. You can find locked on college basketball every day at, I think it's 2.00 PM Eastern time. Is that right? Isaac, 2.00 PM. I think for when that when that goes live there. Uh, So folks go to to locked on sports today on YouTube, subscribe to the first ever national 24 seven sports streaming channel. All right, Isaac, we're switching over. We talked some biggies teams with Villanova there. We talked, of course, about FAU and the nice run they've been on. But I want to talk about the Big 12. And instead of talking about Kansas and Baylor and Houston, which are the teams typically we're talking about when we're talking about the top end of the Big 12, I want to talk about teams that were projected to finish right near the very bottom. Because at the start of the season, we had Oklahoma was picked 12th out of 14. In the Big 12, BYU was picked 13th out of 14, coming off of a uh, fifth place finish in the WCC. Their final year over there, they're picked 13th, and yet here we are on Monday, November 27th. Both those teams are a combined 12 and 0. They are both top 25 teams at Ken Palm. We'll see if they're both top 25 teams uh, as we're recording this right now, but. Really phenomenal performance. And we, we tossed Cincinnati in there as well, a team that was 57th at Ken Baum to start the year. They're up to 36 as we're recording now, and they're 5-0, 17-0 between these three teams that were kind of supposed to be those bottom feeders. And, Isaac, as you recall last year, Kansas State, Jerome Tang's Wildcats were picked to finish last. Not only did they not finish last, in the Big 12 last year, they found themselves on a very deep run in the NCAA tournament on the backs of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Incredibly fun team last year. Could we be looking at two or potentially three more teams who are projected to be at the bottom of the Big 12 who are going to make some serious noise, uh, not only in the Big 12 regular season but potentially in March as well? Potentially, <laughs>
0: Andy. I I haven't seen. I hate to put a a damper on it before we get going. I haven't seen something from either of these teams that makes me think that they're going to be up to the level that K-State was at last year. Mm -hmm. That said, these are not Big 12 bottom feeders. Mm -hmm. I I feel very comfortable saying that. I think that's what we've learned quickly and early. And Andy, I think here's just a, a... broad brush macro level truth that we all need to recognize in the day and age of the transfer portal. This is going to happen in every conference every year. There are going to be teams that we're way too low on. There are going to be teams that we're way too high on, and we're not going to know it until we start seeing how all the pieces fit together and the sum is either bigger or less than, than the parts. And in the case of both of these schools, Oklahoma and BYU, the sum is clearly better than that of the expected parts. I'm personally higher on BYU right now. It's funny. I mean, you said, you know, we're not talking Kansas or Baylor or Houston. Uh, We're actually talking about a BYU team that's ranked above Baylor right now at Ken I mean, by one slot, but still it's a fact and and it remains Um, like knocking off. Last year's national runner up, San Diego State, comfortably. Like that was a nine point win for yeah. BYU over that. Now it was at home, let's say that, but still, it happened. Uh, had a nice comeback against NC State on Friday. We'll talk more about that here if we got some time. But I I am, as of right now, more in on BYU than I am on Oklahoma. And Cincinnati is a third of these teams. But man, I, I love Uh, What it's doing for all three of these in terms of recalibrating some postseason talk to your question, Mm -hmm. why, you know, with the right draw, these could be sweet 16 teams. I I don't think I would, based on talent, take them further than that, but I, I think they both, as of right now, are looking like, yeah, why can't they make the NCAA tournament?
1: It'll be interesting to see how how some of these wins age for these two teams. I mean, I think we've already kind of gotten a sense that maybe San Diego State, when we'll talk about them more later in the show, yeah. barely beat a, a not very good Cal team. I'm a little worried about the Aztecs. And, and certainly if you look at the Oklahoma side of things, I mean, Iowa and USC, I, I don't think there's any way that those age to be bad losses, but I'm I'm not super high on the Trojans right now. I mean, they had that loss to Irvine. Now they have this loss to Oklahoma. They'll get Gonzaga on Saturday. We'll see how they end up doing in that game. Uh, obviously. Ronnie James's health is a big storyline for them right now. If he's able to return in the not too distant future, that could change the equation, but if USC and San Diego State are not the caliber of teams that, you know, they were in the preseason or that they even are right now, that does change our maybe our overall feelings a little bit on Oklahoma and BYU. Having said that, Both these teams were not projected to be NCAA tournament teams by us. When we did our Big 12 preview at this point, both these teams look pretty, pretty, pretty much like NCAA tournament teams. There's obviously a whole bunch of basketball to be played going forward. But, uh, Isaac, I'm going to quiz you real quick. Who are right now at Ken Palm? First first of all, every single team in the Big 12 is in the top 100, which is just bonkers for a conference as big as the Big 12 is. Uh, But who are the bottom four teams in the Big 12 at Ken Palm? You got any guesses? West Virginia's got
0: to be at the dead last. West
1: Virginia time. is last. That is a good guess there. Oklahoma State's playing terrible. I'd go there. Oklahoma State is the second worst. Yeah, they're 87, and, and West Virginia's 98. UCF? Yeah, yeah nice work. Central Florida's 77th, so that's the third worst in the Big 12. Man, I don't know who I'd go after. This is that. the tricky one. <laughs> Cincinnati? No, no, it's Texas Tech, actually. Really? Now, granted, as of right now, Texas Tech's 47th, Kansas State is 42nd, and Cincinnati is 36th. Not a huge gap between those three teams. But is there
0: a big gap from Texas Tech down to UCF? I don't have it pulled up since your quiz. quizzing.
1: Yes, uh, Texas Tech is 47th, UCF is 77th. That is <laughs> far and away the biggest gap uh, of any of these teams. So, okay. so you basically have a, a strong top nine, really. Top nine are in the top 50, and then the other three are between... Uh, 77 and 98, so uh, really interesting the way it's shaking out so far. Obviously, tons of basketball still to be It'd be for
0: top team. 11, right? Not top nine because there's 14.
1: Yes, you're right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So really fun to see how this is shaking out. Uh, BYU has been fun because they have kind of multiple different guys who can beat you. You're never really sure. Noah Waterman had a monster game. I think that was the Arizona State game where he went six of nine from three. Jackson Robinson came off the bench to drop 23 against NC State. Like this is a team that has more depth. And more, and, and I've always liked Mark Pope. I've always thought he was a good coach. But after last year, I was pretty soured on on what this team was going to look like coming into the Big Twelve. And boy, it's been a, a great run for them so far. Yeah, Andy. Here's something else. Looking at
0: their non-conference schedules, uh, you know, we we lumped Cincinnati in with BYU and Oklahoma here. Uh, Cincinnati didn't really have much that's sexy on there. They, you know, mm-hmm. they play Xavier and Dayton, but yeah. I mean, okay, fine. Uh, with BYU, they got Utah. Nobody else in the top 100. But Ooh. Oklahoma, Andy, three of their next five games are against top 50 Ken Palm teams, Ooh. Providence, Arkansas, and then North Carolina in the Jumpman Invitational. So we're, I, I feel like with the other two teams, we're not going to really learn a ton about them till Big 12 play. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, they're going to go into Big 12 play. And we're going to know. We are going to know already. So. Uh, that'll be interesting to keep our eyes on. Um, Andy, I I answered the question. Let me ask you directly your question to me. (laughs) Does either of these two teams have a shot to be this year's K-State to the level that K-State was last year?
1: I don't think so. I, I think Oklahoma, because they'll be more battle tested with that trio of games coming up. I think if they, even if they lose, if they go one and two in this stretch, if they go two and one, would be fantastic. I mean, obviously, if they go three and zero. We're going to be having a lot of different conversations <laughs> right. about that team, but I think they have a decent shot at it. I, I think I, I like Porter Moser. Like I like the, the staff. I like the talent. I, I'm not sure BYU's quite there, uh, but I think Oklahoma could do it could do it. I'm guessing none of them quite reach that Kansas state level because it's not like this is a yearly occurrence where a team mm-hmm. projected to finish last coast yeah. to the elite eight. But I do think that Oklahoma could do it. It's
0: also nuts um, that with Oklahoma being where they're at right now, I was looking, you know, talking about North Carolina, I was mm-hmm. just looking at their non-con. Obviously they just got finished playing Villanova and Arkansas. Four of their next five games are non-con. There's a Florida state mixed in for mm-hmm. one random ACC game, but their other four next games. Are Tennessee, UConn, Kentucky, and this Oklahoma team that we're talking about. So we're gonna know a lot about the Tar Heels as well, very soon. All right, Andy, great Big Twelve conversation. Great conversation about Villanova and FAU, but it's Monday, and we got to get to our six pack, and I can't wait. We got notes on San Diego State struggling with Cal, what? And Louisville actually won a game, although. It took some missed free throws at the end of regulation to do so. We'll get you caught up on all that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder outside, I'm still trying to warm my feet up from putting lights out earlier today. The NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. So maybe you've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action than right now. This app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. How about checking this out? Final four odds. You ready for these, folks? Right now, the lowest odds include Purdue at plus 300, and then Marquette, Duke, Houston, and Kansas all sitting at plus 430. It can't be all five of them, and certainly will probably not even be two or three of them. That's the beauty of our sport. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Andy, six-pack. Let me kick it off with the first one. We talked about the ESPN Events Invitational Championship game that FAU won. Man, again, Andy, what a performance. Yeah. I can't get over it. Great. Um, Texas. By the way, I don't think we said it. All three of those games that they won were top 60 Ken Palm teams. Mm-hmm. Big stuff. Okay, third place game, Texas A&M versus Iowa State. The Aggies win 73-69. to 69. On the surface, you look at it and say, oh, it's a nice four-point win for the Aggies against a tough – Uh, Iowa State team well Andy A&M great bounce back from them in less than desirable circumstances they lost to FAU as we talked about they were down 21 points in the first half of this game they didn't have Henry Coleman the third and they didn't have Tyrese Radford and yet they come back from that deficit they win the game I mean it's nice enough just to like put some some game pressure on Iowa State, but they win the game. By the way, 5th place in the ESPN Events Invitational Butler over Boise State and 7th place VCU over Penn State.
1: San Diego State Isaac is coming off of a a national championship appearance, but they have had a rough start to the season. We talked about that loss at BYU at the Marriott Center, but then they needed overtime to beat one of the worst power six teams in the country last year in Cal. Now Cal's of course a rebuilding team under coach Mark Madsen's got a lot more talent than they had last year, but this game shouldn't have even been close. The Aztecs were up 63 to 54 with six minutes left in regulation after Jaden Leday hit a couple of free throws and they didn't score again until overtime 63 points. And they did not score for the final six minutes in regulation. The Cal Golden Bears had so many chances to win this one. Fardaz AMAC missed a free throw that would have been the game winner. Jalen Tyson missed a layup that would have been the game winner. Cal blew it. San Diego State ended up with a victory, but boy, it's hard to feel super enthusiastic about the Aztecs right now in the early going.
0: We're going to have another similar conversation about teams blowing it at the free throw line down the stretch. Andy, <laughs> we had the Emerald Coast Classic Championship in which we got the wrong teams, uh, <laughs> this bracket was expected to be a championship game of Alabama and Oregon. They were playing in the third place game. Meanwhile, the teams that upset them were in the championship where Ohio State absolutely obliterated Santa Clara. They need Pajimski back, I think. Yeah. Uh, this game was 86 to 56, never in doubt for the Buckeyes. Another great game for Bruce Thornton 13 points, seven assists, three steals. You love it, Andy. At some point soon, we might need to have a conversation about Ohio State. We'll keep watching to see what happens there. By the way, in the consolation game, Alabama took care of Oregon 99-91. to
1: Next up, we got Louisville versus New Mexico State. Louisville won. They won a game Ooh. at home against the Aggies. A few years ago, this might not have looked so bad because New Mexico State was the best team in the WAC and was continually making the NCAA tournament, but this New Mexico State team is coming off of a horrendous season that got cut short last year because of serious hazing allegations on campus. It is a brand-new roster. They're in the 250s at Ken Palm. Meanwhile, Kenny Pay's team really barely, barely won this one. Again, they won in overtime, mostly because New Mexico State missed a pair of free throws with one and a half seconds left in regulation. (laughs) That allowed Louisville to quote-unquote force overtime in this game uh, partly because again before those free throw attempts Trey White had a wide open three-point look for Louisville he knocked it down uh, just tremendously bad defense from the Aggies again neither team seemed particularly inclined to attempt to win this basketball game it was a rough watch New Mexico State ended up playing with four players in the final 20 seconds of overtime because they had six count them six guys foul out in this one, a complete mess of a basketball game. Shout out the Cardinals for at least getting the victory. They are three and three on the season, but quite honestly, you could make an argument they should be one and five because they had that one point win over UMBC in the season opener. Of course, really didn't do a lot to deserve a win here against New Mexico State. But they almost beat Texas, so I don't know. I don't know what we're doing with this Louisville team. They're obviously not good. They seem to be able to play up to some high-level competition. Maybe that'll make for some fun in the ACC, but uh, certainly not looking so good here uh, for Kenny Payne.
0: Let's move to uh, some Big Ten on Ivy League action, Andy, where Indiana, the Hoosiers, knock off Harvard 89-76 to on Sunday. We bring this up because kalal Ware, my man, had 28 points and missed just one field goal. Andy, 12 of 13 from the field. Not to mention, man, I wish I had this fantasy line from him. Eight <laughs> boards, three assists, three steals, and two blocks. A really nice bounce back after him from some struggles Uh, when they played UICON, where he was 7 of 21, which I'm really good at math. That's exactly 33.3 <laughs> repeating percent, Andy, from the field. By the way, another quick Big Ten note. I mentioned Uh, about ohio state a second ago their only loss is the texas a&m that we talked about they beat alabama as we just said not much left in the non-con ucla and then a bunch of bye games so we'll really not know what we've got in ohio state until big 10 play
1: we'll wrap this up with a, a note on our now new bottom feeder in the big 12 as we alluded to earlier that's west virginia who narrowly escaped a loss against a Bellerman squad. It was 62 to 58. The Mountaineers secured a victory. Jesse Edwards was the star for them. 17 points, 14 boards, three blocks for the Syracuse grad transfer. And this team's in some desperate need of some help. And fortunately they are going to get some help back. Kirk Risa, four more games till he is back from his 10 game suspension. They're going to really need it. And we've talked about Kirk Risa being a bit of an inconsistent scorer, inconsistent shooter, uh, performer in general, quite frankly, during his, his multi-year career at Arizona. But, Uh, This West Virginia team, I mean, they cannot shoot to save their lives right now. They were three of 16. Uh, in this game against Bellarmine, that's just under 19% from three. They're just over 31% from three on the season. Kreese, I think, is a career 37 36% three-point shooter. Having him back as a floor general, uh, leading the troops, uh, being a better shooter, being a, a distributor is really going to help this team. They're relying really heavily on Quinn Slezinski, who wasn't expected to be a big part of the rotation. Of course, Jesse Edwards carrying a big load, and, and we hope that the Mountaineers can kind of get a little bit of, of help here and maybe make a push, but Uh, the the off season was really, really rough for them. And you can kind of see that bleeding into the the regular season here. And do you think, uh, Tommy Lloyd is excited that he's got Kylan Boswell running the show instead of Kirk Reza? I think he's pretty, I think he's pretty happy with the results. I think he's happy with having Jaden Bradley and Caleb Love in the mix as well. It's a pretty darn good group of, of guards you can rely on. And, and, uh, with the exception of Love, you have a a lot of consistency there.
0: Also, Hey, Umar, here's the ball. Dunk it. That (laughs) works too.
1: Certainly helps. Well, folks, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. We're going to be back on Tuesday with a big, big, huge preview of this incredible ACC SEC challenge. We got so many fun matchups, a few not quite as fun (laughs) matchups that we're going to talk about here as we get into this uh, challenge and getting to see a little bit more of what we like out of teams like Kentucky, Miami, North Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. going to be an absolutely fantastic opportunity for us to break that down coming your way on Tuesday's show. But again, that's going to wrap us up for today here. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day Uh, as we're recording this right now. San Francisco is up 10 with about six minutes to go Uh, again, playing at the chase center over the Minnesota golden Gophers, a nice opportunity for the Dons and the WCC to pick up a win over a power six, big 10 opponent there. Uh, Again, thanks again for listening. We'll be back very soon with you all. And until next time, peace.